Uh, turn in your, your scriptures, if you will. I want to be in 2 Corinthians 7, and then I'm going to go over to the book of Micah and spend some time there this morning, which uh, is just a marvelous passage of scripture for, for starting off a new year. And so that's where I want to be this morning. So did you all stay up last night? How many of you stayed up till you did you? How many were in bed by eight? <laughs> eight by eight o'clock? Okay. All right. The Lord gives us a choice on how to respond to things in life. And uh, I have a couple of silly thoughts as I was reading through this and looking uh, at this message for today. And there, here's one of them. Everything happens for a reason. Sometimes the reason is that you're stupid. <laughs> and you make bad decisions. Thought number two. Never laugh at your spouse's choice. You're one of them. <laughs> and then the third one, which kind of lends itself to where I want to be this morning. Some people don't want to be fixed because being broken gets them attention. Some people don't want to be fixed because being broken gets them attention. I learned a lesson from my father years ago uh, about not playing the victim in life. And I was maybe, I, maybe 10, maybe 12 years old, and, and I was walking home from school. We always did that in Chicago. We'd walk home because they were neighborhood schools. We'd walk home for lunch. And the neighbor across the street from me was a guy by the name of John Kilbon. And John Kilbon and I were very, very close friends, and we were together all the time, two little boys. And as two little boys go, you, you don't always agree, and sometimes you get into fights. And uh, I don't know what happened or who said what, but somebody dropped some words, and we got into it, and we got into a fight, and we were right in front of my house. And, uh, but the next, just how we were, the next day we were, we were back being really best friends because John and I were good forgetters. You know, we forgot and we, we moved on with our lives. But my dad was sitting on the front porch and he was rocking in a chair and he was watching all of this uh, in a rocking chair. And well, John really opened up on me and, and I was on the ground and he was beating me bad. And uh, I, w I really wasn't a fighter, I was a lover. But he was beating me bad. I did the only reasonable thing that someone would do in that kind of situation. I whined about it. And I played the victim, you know, because I figured it was in my best interest for people to feel sorry for me. If people would feel sorry for me, that would be a good thing. And my mother came out and she felt sorry for me. The Petersons next door, they felt sorry for me because they were watching all this going on. I felt sorry for me. And... Uh, Everybody felt sorry for me, but not my dad. And I remember him, he stood up in his chair and got, went over to the railing and looked down where I was on the ground, and he started laughing. And he says, well, son, did you learn anything? Did you learn anything? You will never really find satisfaction or wholeness when you walk around in life feeling sorry for yourself and what's happening to you, you have a choice. You have a choice. And we have a choice in the Lord. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, this, this choice. It's, it's an important theme in the book of Micah. And when we get over to that, you can look for it. It's, it we're going to be in the seventh chapter there too. But 
Micah is emphasizing the day of accountability. There's coming a day of accountability, and he says it's coming. And uh, the way that Micah ends the seventh chapter in verse four, it's an interesting little statement he makes there. It's very descriptive of our world in which we live. He makes this little statement. He says, now is the time of your confusion. Now is the time of your confusion. Welcome to 2023. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10, if you have that in your Bibles. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation without regret. But worldly sorrow produces death. Lord, add his blessing to the reading. You may be seated. I want to highlight uh, the fact that at the end of every year, and it's true, everybody has regrets. Everybody has regrets. Some are big, some are small. We're sinners. We're sinners that are saved by grace, so everyone has regrets. So notice there are two kinds of regret that he talks about right here in this passage of Scripture. There's the killing kind, and there's the saving kind of regrets. A saving regret is you feel broken, you feel sad, you repent, you turn, you find forgiveness, you move on without it dragging you down. And then there's worldly grief that it says there that produces death. Now turn over to the book of Micah in the Old Testament, Micah chapter 7. This is a favorite of, of mine in the Old Testament because it just oozes the gospel. It just oozes the gospel. It's so amazingly dense with the gospel and how to manage our lives, how to manage our failures. And this text is about what I'm going to call fearless guilt, fearless guilt, hopeful gutsy guilt that comes into all of our lives. Uh, hopeful guilt or, or fearless guilt is looking in the mirror, seeing what you don't like, and being bold in spite of it for the sake of righteousness. Bold in spite of the, what you see for the sake of the righteousness of God. So how can you know that you're a guilty sinner, know that you've failed, yet walk into 2023 with guns loaded, with hopeful step, with all that is within you, tense for righteousness. Tense for the something of God and what God's going to do. And that's what this text is about. Gutsy guilt, hopeful guilt, is looking sin in the face and being bold for the sake of righteousness. Now, uh, we know that there are people on their tippy toes they, of joy and, and hanging onto their fingernails to God's grace and, in difficult times, but they're hanging on. Other families, other people seem to get more of their share of pain than others. I mean, there are some lives, and this is something I've watched over the years of ministry, right? Don't they? Some people just seem to get more stuff happening to them, more, more piling on in their lives. My, my experience in all my years of pastoring is that God doesn't divvy up pain evenly. He doesn't. I don't know why, but it's just that way. 
in people's lives. And as we begin a new year, and we look at the new year, I want to help you. I want to help me. <laughs> I want to help my life. And, uh, and I want to help you fight through the sense that you may uh, have in your own life, that my life is in trouble. Um, nothing is going right in my life. I've blown too many things. And if you want to look in the seventh chapter of Micah, I want to start with verse 7 and uh, go through verse 9. Look what he says here. Watch what the Word of God says. But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior, the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and upholds my cause. He will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. That's a wonderful passage. That, that's, a, that's a hopeful glorious passage of scripture. Let me, I'm going to break it down into 10 sections really quickly for you, just so you can, you can see it. 10 pieces. Verse 8, as we look at it, he says there, uh, when I fall, when I fall, we don't know what the sin was. Doesn't tell us what the sin was. Maybe Israel is speaking here corporately. Maybe they've fallen as a nation. And maybe he's speaking to that. And they're in the hands of Babylon now. And they're, uh, because of all the idolatry that was going on at that time, you could take it to, to be an individual thing. You could take it to be a corporate thing. Scripture really doesn't indicate that to us. But this person, this nation has stumbled. A fall has taken place. And then in verse 9, you can just, I'm going to walk right through this. It says, how come? Well, because I have sinned against him. So we know what kind of fall he's talking about here. He has sinned. He didn't stumble innocently. It wasn't just something that happened. He was not a victim. He sinned against God. I'm so tired in our society today. Everybody's a victim. Everybody's a victim. Everybody's whining about something and we're playing the victim, always blaming somebody else. It's somebody else's fault. It's somebody else's fault. There's injustice in the world. Welcome to this world. It always has been. It always has been. But as long as the primary message, and, and watch what's happening in our society today, is that it's somebody else's fault, there'll be no healing There'll be no unity. There'll be no accountability. It's somebody else's fault. Okay, so we have a fall and we have a sin. Look at verse 8. He says, don't rejoice over me, O my enemy. Well, now we know other people are watching, right? There's other people watching. There's people watching all the time. They're watching our lives. There's other people that are looking on. They see the fall. They see the sin. They're gloating about it. You churchgoers, you Christians, goody two-shoes, you know, you, you blew it. You're so righteous. You're so righteous. 
They're looking at the Christian. They're looking at Israel, perhaps, as a nation. The apple of God's eye, God's people, looking at God's people, sitting in Babylon. They're looking at the Christian, and they're gloating over the condition. And the Christian, the child of God, says, don't rejoice over me. Look what he's saying here. Don't, 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 don't rejoice over me. The person of faith has an attitude. A person of faith has an attitude of not letting the enemy get under their skin. Don't you do that. Don't gloat over me. Listen, if you want to insult me, you, you, <laughs> you, 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 you need to tell me. Otherwise, I might not get it. I might not get it because I look to him for my purpose, not you. I look to him for my value. So if you want to insult me, tell me you're insulting me. I, want, I, I, want, I, had, a, I had a phone call the other day from an individual. It wasn't from this church. It was somebody else. that, uh, And they said, said uh, Pastor, I, I heard what that person said to you. And I said, yeah, yeah. They were, they were a little upset with me. And they said, are you all right? Are you? I said, yeah, I'm all right. I said, I just said, okay. You, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if I said something that bothered you. And, uh, and I didn't, you know, you can't let these, I mean, you can't always let these things bother you. And I said, well, I, I, I just diffused it really quickly. And said, I'm sorry, I, I apologize if I hurt you. And that was it. And we moved on. But, the, but someone had heard it, and so this person was calling me about it. But there's always that. There's always the, 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 the naysayers. There's always the naysayers. There's always those. They're always there. Look at verse 9. He says, I have sinned. He takes ownership of the sin. So he says in verse 9, I will bear the Lord's wrath. The person of faith is realistic. Now, if, there's, if, I'm, any, if I'm anything in my life, I'm a realist about life and what's going on around me. The person of faith is realistic about their true nature, who we are. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner saved. They're under God's anger here. They're bearing the indignation of the Lord. They're bearing the Lord's wrath, it says here. And people are laughing, and I'm going to bear it because God is rightfully angry at me. God's rightfully angry at me. I've sinned. I shamed him. I, 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 I degraded his name by living an ungodly way. I don't need a trial. I'm guilty. That's what he said. I'm guilty. The, he said, I will bear the, the Lord's wrath. I'm guilty of this thing. I will accept whatever God wants to bring down on me. Now go to verse 7 again. Look what he says there. In the midst of all this, he says, my God will hear me. My God will hear me. I love this. I love this. The wrath of the Lord is on him. He has sinned. People are gloating, but he's confident God will hear him. God will hear me. He will bring me out into the light, Scripture says. I will see his righteousness. What amazing reversal of things in this passage of Scripture. Micah has such an incredible faith in God, belief in who God is. He is able to envision God declaring the guilty to be set free. So now we're starting to, this is where I'm getting this gutsy, gutsy stuff, uh, fearlessness, this fearlessness because of who God is, not because of us, 
because of who our God is. It's a fearlessness that we have about life. Without the, the gutsy part, you'd say, well, I hope he hears. I hope, I hope God hears me. I, I, I think he'll hear it. Well, I don't know. Maybe God doesn't listen to the prayers of, of sinners. I, I, you talk like that. But if there's this gutsy guilt, you know, it's my God will hear me. He will hear me. That's what he says. He's going through it. My God will hear me. My God will hear us. You know, you're starting to get this, this fearlessness, you know. Look again at verse 7. We're going to keep walking here. I will wait for the Lord God of my salvation. I will wait. I will wait. There's a lot of waiting going on for stuff, isn't there? I mean, we're waiting. We wait. We wait. And we wait. We wait. Lord, we're praying. We're waiting. The discipline of the Lord doesn't come with any prescribed limits. That's what he's saying here. Is it going to be an hour? How long is he going to wait? Is it going to be a week? Is it going to be a year? How long? How long, oh Lord? What kind of indignation, what kind of anger will I have to bear? How long do I have to bear this that's going on in my life? I will bear the indignation of the Lord. Enemy, don't you gloat. Don't you gloat. I'm crying out to him and he will hear me and I'll wait. I believe. I'm going to wait for him. Turn in your, uh, your scriptures to uh, keep that, your finger there. We're going to come back to, to Psalms 40. Turn over to Psalms 40. Beautiful passage of scripture. You all, I'm sure you all know it and have used it and have it underlined and highlighted. Look what he says here. This is the psalmist speaking, almost the same kind of atmosphere. The judgment that should have fallen on me and wiped me out has fallen on Jesus. And this talks about that. The judgment, the judgment has come to Jesus. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, and they will put their trust in the Lord. Now, there's the people watching again, right? Many will see, and they will put their trust in my God. I waited. How long? How long? He says, I waited patiently. <laughs> and we made me have trouble with that. I waited patiently for the Lord. It doesn't tell us how long, does it? It doesn't say. And that's good. Joseph had to wait 13 years, right? When he was uh, in, in Egypt, it got worse and it got worse. Every year it got worse. Every year it got worse and worse and worse. He was in Egypt. He ended up in, in a dungeon. Where are you in your waiting for something? Where are you in your waiting for something? I have a, a gentleman. I'll never, this is a guy, because I've, I've, I've seen this before, but in a former church and a lady by the name of Marge, but she came to me early in my ministry in that church and she said, you know, I've been praying for my, my husband for years uh, to come to the Lord. I've been praying for years, Pastor, and, uh, and I want you to be praying too if you would. And, and, uh, and I was in that church for a while and uh, he had retired. He, he, never, he, he would come to church sometimes, but then he didn't. All of a sudden, one Sunday morning, He's, he was like 74 years old. Somebody, he comes walking down the aisle and gave his life to the Lord. Marge was over the top. 
happy. Praying since they got married for him to come to know Jesus. How long do you have to wait? How long do you have to wait? Um, look at verse 8. We're back, we're back in, the, uh, the, the, uh, in Micah. So swing back. I'll put it up on the screen. Look what he says here. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. So the sinner here is under the indignation of God. He's crying out to God. They're, whoever they are here, they're confident that God is going to hear them, and they're waiting on the Lord. And it's dark. It's dark times. It's difficult times. And he says, the Lord is our light in the darkness. And I presume that that means something like the circumstances are really bad. It's a dark place. What's ever going on in this life, it's, it's, it's just bleak. It's bleak. His indignation is real. And this isn't the way he wants life to be. He doesn't want to live like this. The one light in the darkness that he sees, Scripture says, is the Lord. It's, the, it's my only hope, is the Lord. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be light to me, he says. The life of a person of faith who believes in Jesus Christ is developed further. If you look in, in, in the, the, drop down to verse 14 of the seventh chapter. They're looking to God to be their guide. Look what it starts off, shepherd your people. Shepherd your people. Salvation is just not a one-time experience. Shepherd your people. It's an ongoing experience that he walks with us. He shepherds us. It's, it's, it's a, uh, salvation is a way of life. It's how you live your life. It's called discipleship. It's called a commitment. Making a commitment. I think, I think the future here is bright. I think it's bright. I think God's got Marvelous things for this congregation in the years to come. The Lord is shepherd. He's guiding his people. And the final word of Micah is a tender relationship with the God of peace and a God that has purpose. In verse 15, it says, I will show my wonders. I will show my wonders. God says life with God is an amazing journey. It's not all, you know, we, we, get, we get so caught up with time and space, but it's an amazing, it's amazing journey that we're on. And I think our message, Christian people, to the world around us as we share the good news of Christ is, should include a truth that being a Christian is a great adventure, isn't it? I mean, I can take you through the ups and downs of my life. It's an adventure. God's doing this, and then I'm, then I'm here, and then I'm there, and God's working in my life in such a way. And I think our message of the world needs to be that. It's an adventure that you're on. God is going to be there with you. And I, I talk to people constantly who try to find fulfillment in crazy, dead-end things. And they turn, oh, the Christian, oh, it's not working for me. It's not. Micah tells us that following God is a life filled with wonder, a life filled with awe. He's got so much that we're just touching the hem of the garment of who he is. 
Then look at verse 9. We continue here. Look what he says here. This is, this is crazy. I'm, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to suffer the indignation until he pleads my cause. Until he pleads my cause. I want you to feel this, to feel the wonder of what's going on here. Start at the beginning of the verse 9. Look what it says there. I will bear the wrath, the indignation of the Lord, because I have sinned against him. I will bear his indignation. I will live under the cloud of darkness. How long? Until he pleads my cause. Isn't that, is that strange to you? Does that feel strange to you? I mean, God's the one that's mad at us. It's God's wrath. He's the one doing this. He's the one that's mad at me. The darkness is coming from him. And he's pleading my cause. I'm staying here in this indignation, in this wrath, until he pleads my cause. What does that sound like to you? What, what, do we, what do we glean from this? Does that sound like the gospel? It really does. That's why I'm saying this oozes the gospel. It sounds like the gospel. Does that sound like the cross of Jesus? Does that sound like atonement? An atonement that God has with us? God had the world under the darkness of his wrath, and he sends the answer. He sends the advocate. We send, he sends a savior. <laughs> Somebody to plead our cause. He sends the one who vindicates his glory and covers our and, for, and forgives our sin. This is amazing. It's an amazing thing. This, this is that where we get this fearlessness from, this gutsy guilt. Yes, we're guilty, but we're fearless about it. We're gutsy about it. It's, 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 it's simultaneously, there's an awareness of God's indignation and an awareness that he's going to take care of it. There's an advocacy from the Lord. Can you handle that? It's happening at the same time. Christian living is complicated. People who think it's, you know, uh, no, it's not. It's complicated. Things are complicated. If you want simple answers, don't, don't go here. Don't go here. Biblical truth is complex. It's glorious. It's powerful. But it is also complex. And it takes understanding and some time of study and looking at it. To know God is angry, and to know how terribly we've sinned, and also to know that he's angry with me, but he's going to plead my cause. Nobody else can deliver me from God's anger. God has to do that. Nobody can deliver me from the anger of God. God has to, has to do that. So that's bold. That's fearless. That's believing. I believe. My God will hear me. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that for this year. I believe that for last year. I believe that for every year. 
My God will hear me. And then look at, look at the other thing that he says there. And he executes judgment for me. He executes judgment for me. You kind of get anxious about and tremble. What, what's the next word going to be? What's, what's going to happen here? Will it, will it be against me? He's, he's executing judgment. Is it going to be for me? Is it going to be against me? Thank God it's for me. God is for me. We got that song that we sing, God is for me. God is kind of obnoxious. It goes over and over, you know. But God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. I got it. I got it. God is for me. It's God is for me. But we don't get it. God is for me. Whatever you're going through, whatever pain you have in your life, God is for you. And there is purpose in the things that you struggle with. God is for me. Everything about justice would say now he's going to execute judgment against me and I'm cooked. I'm toast. I'm done because I've sinned. And this guy is so hopeful. This guy is so gutsy about God's grace. He's waiting here under God's wrath. He's waiting. And the punishment until an advocate comes and pleads his cause, and God now from the bench of the universe, the judge of the universe, executes judgment, and it turns out to be in my favor. He's for me. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's what we hold on to. That's what we believe as Christian people. This is what came true in Jesus. This judgment happened for me. It happened at Calvary. The judgment that should have fallen on me and wiped me out fell on the Lord Jesus Christ, my advocate. And then look down at verse 9. Same passage. He will bring me out to the light. I shall look upon his vindication. I won't stay here. I'm not going to stay in the darkness forever. The darkness has seen the great light. We'll go back to Isaiah. The darkness has seen a great light. I've known the wrath. I've known the darkness. And here's my prayer. I know he will advocate for me. I know judgment will come for me. And now here it comes. And I'm sitting in this. And I'm watching what's going on in my life and the things that are happening to me in my life. And I'm watching God, and I'm trusting God, and waiting for deliverance. Now that's the end of this text. That's the end of this text. We're in the light, it says. We're in the light. It's all okay now. We've learned how to live, hopefully. We've learned how to live fearlessly, even with guilt. Because we have guilt. Listen, get, get a handle on how terrible sin is. How seriously God takes it and how unbelievably powerful and majestic His grace is. He's an advocate for His people in their sin and you will be able to get through whatever happens to you in this life. And we all struggle with difficult things. You will be able to get through the hard times of life. I promise you. I promise you. 
I and I believe you will fail in 2023. Just like we failed in 2022. Just like we've sinned. But we don't have to be defeated by it. We don't have to be destroyed by it. We're going to move to the Lord's table in just a minute, which we're going to celebrate all this. But drop down to the end of, of Micah. You're in the seventh chapter. Drop down to verse 18, if you would, please, in your Bibles. And this is a thing of praise here. Watch what he does. Who is a God who can compare? He just starts to break into praise. Who is a God that can compare with you? Pardoning iniquity, wiping the slate clean of guilt, turning the blind eye to the deaf ear, to the past sins, and you, you purge your precious people. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. You're going to do what you've done in the past, you're going to do now. What you've done in years past, Lord, you're going to do it in our congregation, in our life now. You're going to do it now. You're going to do it in the future. Micah is blown away by this pardoning God. You know, who, who is like you? Who, who does this? I'm a sinner. You have, your grace is so rich, it's so free. I have felt this, and, and I, I know other, others here and other pastors that are here and whatnot could, would say this. I have felt this profoundly in ministry. The grace of God to put up with me, you know. My personal failings that I've had in my life, the struggles that I've had in my life, and in last year. I hope that as we, we come to the table that you will look back with measures of godly regret because you need to have regrets. You're a sinner. But that should lead us to a life of godly thanksgiving. It really should. That God still loves us. Be hopeful. Hold on to the grace of God. Say to the devil, don't you dare rejoice over me. Don't you dare rejoice for me. I'm coming out into the light and I will walk out of this darkness. I will walk out of this darkness. And, the, and the, when, I, when I was working in this sermon, the song that kept coming to my mind was, my faith has found a resting place. Not in device or creed. I trust the ever living one, his wounds for me shall plead. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died. And that he died for me. Enough. Enough. For me that Jesus saves me. This ends my fear. This ends the doubts. A sinful soul I come to him. He'll never cast me out. Same as what he's saying here. Same thing. Perhaps you've watched maybe a TV drama where a lawyer tries everything to prove a case, but everything looks bleak, nothing's going well, and nothing is working, and suddenly there's this highly dramatic moment, a witness reveals some information that changes the whole uh, complex of everything, and the lawyer gets up and he says, Your Honor, I need no other argument. I rest my case. 
That's what we see here in, in Micah. That's what we see here in Micah. Uh, Jesus died. And he died for me. Just getting back to base, basics. The basics of our Christian faith. And the defense rests. He died for me. I need no other argument. You have a choice. We have choices. No question but that life is rough. No question that things are getting difficult out there. Sometimes things are unfair. Sometimes we feel put upon. Sometimes we recognize that we, we deserve the wrath of God in our lives. And it is filled with enemies. Now, Micah says, is the time of your confusion. Now is the time of your confusion. But you have a choice. You can feel sorry for yourself. You can play the victim. Giving up on yourself and the world and the things that are happening. Or you can stand. You can stand. I trust the ever-living one whose wounds for me shall plead. He's pleading my case. And if he died for me, he'll live for me. He'll live for me. Choose the way of faith in the days to... For this, this year, choose the way of faith in Jesus Christ. And then I dare you, tell somebody about it. If, 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 if God is speaking to you today, talk to somebody about it. That, that, that God is speaking to your heart about what he wants you and is calling you to do and be in this year that is to come. You know, sometimes we just get so down about stuff. Everything's going, you know, we, we, we've had a couple of difficult years as a church family. And we get, we get where we need to get kicked in the pants, you know, and say, hey, look what you got. Look who you have. Look who you have. Look who's Lord of your life. And his wounds are pleading for you. He's there for you. Tell somebody about that. I dare you. Tell somebody that God's working on your heart. And pray with them. Let's pray together. Our Father, we're thankful for the power of Scripture. The Word of God. The Word of God. We're thankful for Jesus and what he means to us. Help us, our Father, to realize that, that many times in our life, the things that are happening to us are deserved. That we walk sometimes and away from where we need to be. And there is a judgment that comes upon us. Help us in that moment to look at Jesus. And to look at what this passage is telling us about waiting on the Lord. Sitting in that judgment and waiting hopefully. Because our God, you, you will answer us. You are our light. You are our hope. Our only hope. And we will walk out of the darkness into your marvelous light. And that we're on a journey of faith. 
Father, we pray for that for all who are listening to my voice here and on the airways. Help us to put Jesus first in 2023. And this is our heart and this is our prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.